Welcome to another episode of the Heroes of Cancer podcast, where we celebrate and share the unique stories of heroes who have fought or who are helping others in their fight against cancer. My name is Arshia Yadav, and today we are here with a very special guest, Rashida. She is an independent wealth and wellness consultant in Dubai. Her journey is one of the most remarkable and inspiring stories we have come across. Diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and given six weeks to live, she completely turned her odds around with sheer bravery, pragmatism and focus. Now, after 10 years of her diagnosis, we would like to know what happened, how she fought cancer and the key life lessons she learned from this experience. one of those who you know I've never really been sick I never had a cold I never had flu I never ever actually had a day off work so it was unusual for me to get anything you know it would just go on by and I kept getting this pain on the side on my like uh, left rib but it was just a pain that came and went came and went didn't really stop me from doing anything but eventually it was, well, progressively getting a little bit sort of more painful, let's say. Mm-hmm. And I initially went to the doctors um, just to kind of be like, right, you know, and I have no real experience with going to doctors or hospitals or anything like that. So I, I, I went and at the time now, well, at the time I didn't know, but now I know like I was misdiagnosed from that time. So what they said that um, the doctor actually said I injured my rib and cracked somehow my rib. And at the thought, I thought, well, surely I would know if I fell and cracked my rib, you know. (laughs) Anyway, it was what it was. And I I just took exactly what they said. I took medication for, you know, the painkiller medication and so on and so forth. And it went. And the pain disappeared. And then after about three months, it came back again. And I thought, well, I definitely didn't crack my rib again. So I went back to, to the hospital. And actually, this one then went on you know they have painkiller it disappeared for a few months and they would come again and this went on um for a year and eventually in the last few months of being diagnosed the pain was so frequent and it was it kept waking me up at night time you know so eventually then I I was lucky enough to find a doctor who instead of passing me on to, it's not my department, let's move on to the next and wait for your next appointment. She wasn't letting me go until she actually found what the problem was. And it was a a, a doctor in a hospital here in the UAE who then found all this in my body and, and said that the likelihood is I've got cancer. And what was your initial reaction to that diagnosis? Um, <laughs> I just thought, like... I, I actually thought she's just made a mistake. You know, all of a sudden you think your home country and your home surroundings are the the most accurate place to be and they're going to be so accurate, you know, and everybody else is just going to be wrong. So I just thought it's ridiculous because, you know, I don't know anybody who had cancer, nobody in my family, I don't know anything about it, so, and I'm always well and I'm fit and healthy. So I, I just thought, I was in shock, I think, and I thought, she's made a mistake. So I wanted to sort of have a face-to-face conversation with her and get to understand, like, what are you saying? Because up until this point, there was no mention of cancer. It was just, they were just doing tests. And I was just following whatever they were asking me to do in terms of like what tests needed to be done. Because I didn't have any knowledge at that time about 
to ask them any questions. I just went along with what was said. And then all of a sudden, you hear the the C word, <laughs> and it, it frightens the hell out of you. So did you tell anybody in your family or uh, in your friend circle about this when you found out? Well, yeah, because it, there was a friend of mine who was taking me to the hospital every time. So there was about five of us in, within, like, our friends, and we all worked together as well, actually. And, in fact, they all knew that I had this cancer in my body before I did, mm-hmm. because the doctors here, they're, they're not so forthcoming in terms of, or at least the experience I had in the whole, let's speak to the woman and give her all the information. So a friend of mine was with me all the time, and they actually told him, all the information. They would more address him more than they would address me. So they, they told him first, look, this is what she's probably got. Mm-hmm. So until they were sure, that's when they then told me. Okay. So once the doctor told you this, how did you decide about the pathway you were going to take ahead? How much did you want to involve yourself and your understanding or knowledge in creating this pathway? Was it more of a mutual partnership or was it the doctor just telling you, this is what we're going to do, this is how the timeline is going to play out, and this is what you would need to do. As in the treatment, the treatment pathway, the treatment plan. Well, my initial thought was, I need to go home. Mm. I just wanted to go to my mom. (laughs) So I knew that, and also I I still thought she'd made a mistake, so Mm. I thought, if I go home, it will all be fine. Mm. You know, I go back home, they will just say actually it's this that's wrong and then sort myself out and and come back so I don't think initially I was like interested in hearing the course of action that I needed to take first I wanted the proof if you like or the understanding like what is happening in my body so my initial thought was I need to go home and then I can figure it out so that was step one and which is what I did I went home and then when I was then diagnosed uh, properly, if you like, or accurately, they would, did go through that with me. But it was just more told, this is what's going to happen, this is what, you'll need this, you need to have chemotherapy. But as soon as they said chemotherapy, everything else blanked out, you know, because all I heard was chemotherapy. I don't know anything about chemotherapy, and my only reference to cancer and chemo is what I see on TV you know, on the programs and things like that. And you just see somebody who loses their hair, they're constantly sick, and they lose all of this weight. Mind you, I thought it might not be such a bad thing to lose a little bit of weight. So I just couldn't get over hair loss and sickness. So I couldn't hear any of the other information. And actually, I was not interested in knowing any more because I thought, I'm going to lose my hair and I'm going to be sick and this is crazy and I have to have chemotherapy. And they went through a lot of information. So, yeah, so maybe they, you know, I was, now I know better if there was a better way of feeding that information to me. And over a course of time, because to give it all at once, you're already in shock and panic that it's really, you can't hear all of that. True. I mean, communication is a very essential element of mm. how information is relayed between Yeah, the and I could and only see, like, you know, they were tell- talking to about six months, nine months, 12 months, but actually I could only just see, well, what, what do you need me to do now? Mm-hmm. So all I need to know is, right, you need to start your chemotherapy and you need to, today's Wednesday, you need to start 
by Monday and then you'll have it once every two weeks. That's all I needed to know at that point. Mm-hmm. So you weren't uh, propelled to sort of go out there and seek information and to read up about chemotherapy and sort of I was visualize what you're going to go through. No, I was too scared, um, you know, to know what's actually happening because initially they told me that I've got six weeks to live, you know, and if yeah. the chemotherapy works, then they'll give me, you know, they can maybe progress my life for about six months. Yeah. So I didn't have that to think about. I, I was more preparing for death as opposed to for survival. Okay. And when they made a statement like that, where did you draw your strength from to psychologically go, right, I know they've just said something that is going to affect me a lot, but surely there is another way to combat this? Or how did you how did you react to that in terms of um, sure, managing I, yourself? It wasn't so much that I thought, uh, how do I defy the odds? Yeah. You know, what do I do to combat this? It was more of an acceptance. First, mm-hmm. for me, I wanted to understand, okay, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. So I was more practical and logical before I got emotional. And that's usually my pattern. Something major happens, a drama. I'm there in the moment, straight, boom, boom, boom. And then I'll get home and cry my eyes out, you know, and then I'll be all jittery as if it just happened then. So I did the same thing. You know, it was like, well, what does this mean? What happened? What do I need to do? So let's do that, Mm -hmm. you know, so being very practical and I think that helped initially because you can get started and then of course you know you have your whole family support your whole love circle your friends you know everybody's around you and to carry you Mm -hmm. through you know each day each week and so on so I think it was a combination of being practical not feeling like I have to fight and I'm, I'm going to defy the odds being surrounded by people that love me so much and are going to take care of me mm-hmm. okay so a support system is obviously essential to have because that Crucial. does pull you through a lot and it, it makes you feel loved and that affection that you require to heal yourself as well is crucial as you said uh, but what about the actions that you took personally on the psychological front on the medical front um, and even with managing your life how did yeah. you take charge of that um I think at the time you don't feel like you're in charge. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you've got a, a really a gun to your head and yeah. you have to just do as you're told. So all of this I feel like I've understood years later. It's been 10 years since I was diagnosed. Yeah. So years later you get to see, ah, this is what happened, this is what I did, and because I did that, that had this impact. So for example... My friends and family were there to support me, and I allowed that, I I let that happen. Mm -hmm. So receiving that support is a huge thing. Um, Nutrition, I changed my diet, but I didn't change my diet to get rid of the cancer. I changed my diet because I was so scared of the chemotherapy that I wanted my body to be as strong as possible to um, so the chemo wouldn't hurt as much. Mm -hmm. It was the only reason. So I changed my diet, but afterwards I learned I was alkalining my body. Mm when I learned more about the body then. Prayer, it doesn't matter what your belief system is, but that prayer, that meditative state, 
really calms the body down. And at the time, I didn't know again scientifically what I was doing. But for me, it was you just call upon your higher being and you're like, I don't know what to do. You need to help me. Mm. And this is a huge healing process because afterwards I realized my body became in a meditative state in those moments. So your cellular system relaxes and it starts to heal because really the body's natural state and natural being is to heal itself. That's what it's designed to do. Mm -hmm. So when you stop interfering with that, it will just do its job. And in those times when you are praying or meditating or, you know, with your higher being, these are the times when you're actually in a meditative state. True. Well, that's really interesting because I think that was really something that strengthened you from the inside instead of the external. Yeah, and your positive attitude, you have to have it. There's no but about it. You know, it weakens, physically weakens your body. Mm -hmm. We've all had those days, we've cried all day long, you've got now a huge migraine. The situation's the same and you feel ten times worse. Mm -hmm. Okay, and another factor that I wanted to ask you about, which a lot of people see as a concern, especially in this region, is finance. How yeah. did you finance all your treatments? This is huge. Unfortunately for me, it's my area of expertise yes. is wealth and, and health. And because I'm in the industry and I help people set up their personal financial structures, I had a critical insur insurance in place for myself. And at the time, I took it out because I was in the industry and that's what I was, I was doing. But I had my insurance payout, which really covered my income and salary. That Because I didn't work then for a year and a half. It removed that financial burden. It removed the worries of like, how do I need to pay for stuff or pay my way or things like that. And I had a house at that time as well. So how do I continue paying my bills for my house? It relieved me from thinking about any of that. And I really believe that because of that, it was a huge re reason why I healed. And why am I alive today? So do you think financial counselling would be something that's quite imperative for people who've just been essential. diagnosed or are going through it? Or it's even so costly, it? yeah. right? It's huge. The medication is so huge. And imagine somebody's trying to heal mm -hmm. and then they have the burden of financial distress. Yeah, it, it, it could take a huge yeah, toll on them. Their, their prognosis will deteriorate. And are there any companies over here in Dubai that specialise in this perhaps that could be specifically useful for cancer patients in the UAE? Um, I mean, there are many financial institutions that will help you sit and structure financial planning. Mm. I think what's important is go with a recommendation. Yeah. What, you know, it's the same with most industries in the UAE. Find a recommendation. Come to me if, I, mm. if I'm not that overwhelmed with seeing clients. You know, I'll certainly try to at least email you back and, and respond in, in that way. But if you can find somebody who's actually gone through yeah, that, yeah. who is doing also structuring financial planning, then that'll be a great start. But always go with the recommendation. Okay, no, for sure. My last question is, so now you're a survivor, you've fought cancer, you are much stronger now, you are in a position to help people. How would you give back or what would you recommend to people who have just been diagnosed or who are fighting cancer right now through what you've seen through your experiences what are your sort of top five or three to five uh, suggestions in terms of how to face it psychologically physically or even socially yeah yeah that's a key question one I would say uh, reach out mm -hmm. you know many people want to feel like they're a, a soldier and have to do it all by themselves 
it is so much easier to receive the help from others and people want to help you mm. and it's their job to help you they're your friend they're your family you know as friends we want to help mm. so like let them do their job you know as a, as a friend so for some reason we we shy away from receiving help so number one we we'll say receive all the help and and the other thing is really milk it you know they all want to let me carry your bag let me do this you know, at first I was like no I can do it I can do it I'm not an invalid you know, but soon I got smart to it. And, you know, I still try to use the excuse, <laughs> but I was poorly and it's like 10 years ago. So, you know, it doesn't really work anymore. So milk it as much as you can really receive the help Two, I would say, reach out, ask for help, find these forums. You know, you guys are doing a great job in bringing this resource in one place. So, you know, find these, reach out to people. The story of another will really help soften um, your journey a little more even if that joy or that ease lasted for a few seconds mm-hmm. it's really worth you know worth that thirdly I would say look at the practical stuff as well look at your financial situation look at your treatment plan look at those things that you need to get yourself organized so they don't come into the healing process Mm -hmm. like sort them out because they need sorting right your household if you've got children who's going to do the caring Mm -hmm. who's going to take you to the hospital and bring you back just all the logistical stuff address them so they don't become a bugbear to you and start harming you in that uh, in that healing process because really you need all your energy to heal and not just your conscious energy but your subconscious energy as well so potentially planning it out earlier would be a great way to sort of put things in place so that when you do go through your treatment everything is sort of working as it should sure but most people know in the moment right now Mm. you've been diagnosed so everything's immediately and they need to get everything done so that most people don't have the privilege of pre-planning such but it's they're just tasks to do and one by one you know Mm receive the help that's being given, go out and get help, reach out to people and support yourself in that way as well. And and three, handle all the logistics mm-hmm. or delegate, get yeah. your partner or whoever, but just know that the logistics are, are handled for you. Okay, no, that's that's very valuable piece of advice for everybody out there because I think having that clear pathway or, or a clear sort of understanding of what's required when something this overwhelming strikes you is very very difficult sometimes and if you do have those three or four points to pull you through or to give you that clarity or to give you that sense of control essentially it it makes a huge difference yeah to make you feel like this is something i can face and i would say i would just finish with you know find your inner peace yes and hold on to that okay well, thank you so much once again. It's been an absolute pleasure Anytime. hearing about your experiences mm. and hearing about all the various ways through which you bolstered yourself throughout mm. the whole process. And it's, it's great to see you. Great. Um, and thank you, guys. You do an awesome job. Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of another Heroes of Cancer podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode where we bring you more insights into the lives of our community's heroes. If you would like to be featured in our podcast or simply want to learn more about us, reach out via email mentioned in our bio or through Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. We would love to hear from you and wish you a beautiful day ahead filled with happiness.